0: All right, how are y'all this morning? Everybody doing good? I'm doing well, thank you. Get this microphone thing figured out here for a second. Hey, uh, so we've been talking about winning. Remember our uh, deep theology, right? Winning is better than not winning. That's exactly right. Losing's bad, but not winning is worse, right? You figure that one out, you can call me later and we'll talk about it, right? But winning better than not winning but sometimes it looks like you're not gonna win and then you do you know what we call that a comeback right who doesn't love a good comeback story Uh, I love all things sports I love all great comeback stories whether it's the fictional movies or it's the real life Um, you know football season is upon us we're excited about that. Uh, I don't know if you are. I am. I'm super excited. I love baseball, but I'm a Rangers fan, and our season was over in, like, mid-May, so it's been a long summer, so I'm excited. The football season, like, this Saturday, like, six days away, football starts, and uh, I'm pretty excited. So, yeah, I, I was thinking about that and thinking about some of the great comebacks. You've got the Patriots and Falcons Super Bowl from a few years ago, right? Patriots are, are down 28-3 to three with eight minutes to go in the third quarter. Somehow come back and win. Falcons go into misery. Tom Brady becomes the GOAT and uh, just forever known as one of the greatest. Uh, you've got the 2013 wild card game where the Colts come back from 28 points to beat the Chiefs. I uh, always like it when the Chiefs lose, so sorry about that if you're a Chiefs fan. Uh, but my favorite, my favorite was 1992. Now, how many of you, and it's going to be mostly this section, were not born yet in 1992? Okay, that's about the group I thought. So in 1992, Houston was not the Texans. Houston was the Oilers, right? That's a real thing. And they moved and all that. But Houston Oilers, Buffalo Bills, Bills trail 38-3 to at halftime, lose their starting quarterback, back up Frank Reich. Anybody know Frank Reich. Member of the Church of Christ, by the way, just a little shout out to CSC kid, right? Frank Reich comes in, storms all the way back, and as time expires, Doug Christie kicks the game-winning field goal. And what's amazing about that is, four weeks later, they lose to the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl. And now, six hundred lifetimes have passed since the Cowboys have won a Super Bowl, but we're still excited about that one, right? No, you said yes, though. You were super excited. No, she's out. She's done. She's done with it, right? Here's the deal. We all love a good comeback. But the reality is many of us need a comeback in our life, right? And and for many of us, you might be in a season right now where you're thinking, man, I could use a comeback, right? I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I should. Or you've got somebody you love who needs a comeback. I was talking with Ron just a couple weeks ago, and there's some folks that I pray for regularly that are part of your church family that need a comeback right now right they've made some choices they're not here they're in some places and we're going to talk about that in a little bit not them particular but just the idea that we all fall into this place where sometimes we need a good comeback well here's what i want you to hear today right off the top right comebacks aren't just for other people you can have a comeback too right they're for every single one of us my favorite of those is paul Right? We've talked about Paul a number of times. You've heard Paul if you've been around church very long at all. But Paul was Saul, right, the Christian killer, the, the hunter of, of Christians. He, his, he made it his life's mission to stamp out all of Christianity, and yet meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, has this encounter, and all of a sudden, now he's got a story. He's got a comeback story where because he met Jesus, because he encountered Jesus, suddenly he had a great comeback. Well, these are Paul's words in Philippians 3. If you've got your Bible, Philippians 3, verse 12 is where we'll start. We'll be in 2 Chronicles a little bit later. Um, It's in the Old Testament. We'll find it. right. Philippians 3. These are Paul's words after his comeback. Not that I've already obtained all of this, right, this he wants more of Jesus, more knowledge of him, closer walk with him. He says, I'm not there. I'm not perfect, right? Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. There's always next steps. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. I love that. He says, Listen, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together, but I got one thing down. And he shares it with you and I, and he shares it with generations of Christians and believers. He says, Here's the one thing I know forgetting what is behind, good or bad, right? He didn't specify anything that's in the past, anything that's yesterday, anything that's an hour ago. He says, I forget what's behind and I strain toward what is ahead, something out there, something in the future. He says, I press on to the goal to win the prize. Remember, we talked about winning, we love winning press on to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So listen, today, if you look at your relationship with Jesus and you say, you know what, I'm as close to Jesus as I've ever been, then you need to celebrate. You should be singing and praising louder than everybody else in the room, but you need to file this message away for another day and another season, okay? Because other seasons come. If you're not there, if you say, you know what, I was closer to God once, I wish I was closer to God a little bit, then this is for you today, okay? So you need to pay extra close attention. Don't fall asleep on me. Don't lose me. Stick with me, all right? Because if you're not where you want to be, then you need to come back right? You need to get back on track. You need to find your way back into the life that God's called you to. Maybe in your marriage, maybe in dating relationships, maybe in purity, maybe in just your walk with God, maybe in how hard you're actually trying to win. I saw the post this week. Somebody put it out there on the contact social media. How are you doing at winning this week? Did you go and win anybody? right? Did you go and tell your story and share your story with Jesus? Maybe it's time to get back on track. Well, listen, hear this today. If you're a note taker, here's the first thing you write down. It's never too late to get back on track. If you're still breathing, God's got a plan for you. It's never too late to get back on track. Now we're going to illustrate this today with a crazy story. I always like to use the greatest hits, right? Paul, Peter, all those, but every now and then it's fun to dig something out of the Old Testament that you may or may not ever heard before. And that's what we're going to use today. We're going to use a crazy story out of 2nd Chronicles 33. So you can start looking for that. I'll set it up a little bit while you're looking for 2nd Chronicles, but listen, it's got a villain. What good story doesn't have a villain? You got Darth Vader, right? You got Scar from The Lion King. You got, right, all of them. You got, got bad guys. Love a good bad guy. I don't know what movies you guys watch, but I'm a, I'm a Star Wars guy, so I like Darth Vader. But it's just where we're going. All right, I got a thumbs up. I got one, one that knows what I'm talking about. All right, here's the deal. It starts, our villain is a guy by the name of Manasseh. Manasseh is the son of King Hezekiah right? We got names. Old Testament loves to trip preachers up with their names. But Manasseh, who's the son of Hezekiah, starts off okay, right? He's a good dude. He's only 12 when he becomes king. How many 12-year-olds? Are we getting 12-year-olds in the room? No? One or two, maybe? They bailed on me. Listen, 12 years old and king. Problem number one. I love 12-year-olds. I had two of them once. Um... No, wouldn't put him in charge of anything, let alone, let alone being king. All right, here we go. Second Chronicles 33, we'll pick it up in verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. There you go, right? But then the very next line, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Listen, you want to talk about having a bad day? When you go down in history and the statement about you is you did evil in the eyes of the Lord, that's a bad day. You've made some bad choices. You are definitely not winning. Okay? He is not pursuing. He is not being who God called him to be. Not only is it a bad day, he is actively running away from God. I don't know if you've ever had a season like that in your life. I have. We actively run away from God. You know what I know to be true about that type of season? It always creates a bad day. It never ends well. As much as you think it's going to, it just never does. It goes on to say he, he was following the, the detestable practices of the nations. In other words, he was just doing all the bad stuff that everybody around him was doing. Uh, the nations of the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had demolished. He also erected altars to the Baals and made Asherah poles. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshiped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord in which the Lord had said, my name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He has completely lost his mind. He looks at God and says, God, whatever you want for my life, I'm doing the opposite. I, I, don't, I don't want to make your choices. I don't want to live the way you call me to live. I don't want to put important things. I, I don't want your priorities to be my priorities. God, I'm going to be all about me, what makes me happy, and what helps me blend in with the world around me. Now, I know you guys have never, ever felt that way. And you've certainly never made any decisions that reflect that. But I have. And it leads to some pretty bad days, right? The main reasons, and you think about it, the main reason people get to this place, the, the place where they're running from God, when they're looking to go anywhere other than God, well, tragedy. Death happens. Sickness happens. Loss happens. And suddenly we start getting this mentality of, why, God? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening in my life? Why? And that doubt that Satan plants in our mind, and we begin to go down that road of questioning God. And usually, usually it's a slow drift, right? You don't go from believing in God to running from God in one day. It's kind of a slow drift. You make one choice that leads to two choices that leads to three choices. And before you know it, you've drifted away from him. The illustration I like to use is if you set sail from Washington, D.C., right? East Coast, of the united states and you are aimed at spain but you set your compass off by three degrees do you know where you end up well if it's three degrees south you end up in africa africa is not spain three degrees is not very much but when you get off track when you slowly drift see satan's playing the long game He doesn't need you tomorrow. He just needs you to not be where you're supposed to be at the end. So he convinces you. He leads you in that direction. You slowly begin to drift, right? And the other thing we've got to know is that no one one gets back on track. No one gets close to Jesus unintentionally. You've got to make a decision. You've got to make an effort. You've got to to be intentional about where you're going to end up, who you're going to follow. Because the thing I know to be true is while nobody gets to Jesus accidentally, our position is always greater than our intention. All right? Think about this. I'm going to use this table right here. This table is where I want to go. This table's lunch. This table has got some coconut cream pie. Ooh, it's got some fried chicken. Right, this is where I want to end up. This is where I want to be. That's, that's my intention. But I'm going to camp out over here at McDonald's, <laughs> right? Now, if I'm, if I'm hanging out over here by McDonald's, what am I most likely eating for lunch today? McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> because my intention is to be over there, but my position puts me over here, right? And the same is true in our spiritual walk. My intention is to go to heaven. My intention is to be close to Jesus. My intention is to win souls for other people. But if my Position is drugs and alcohol and relationships and sin and places and people I don't need to be and be around. Guess what? I grew up on a farm, so you can call me a hillbilly. Here's the phrase my parents used for me my whole life, and I thought it was the dumbest phrase ever until I became a youth minister. You ready? If you run with the goats, you're going to smell like the goats. Your position is always greater than your intention. Right, watch where you are. Be intentional. Know where you're going. Listen. If I want to lose weight, I can't live in a candy store. Right. If I want my marriage to be strong, I can't be hanging out at Sister So and So's house telling her how horrible. And uh, right. If if I want to stay pure until marriage, young people, I can't be finding myself snuggling up on the couch at two a.m. Right. Your position. Always outweighs your intention. So be aware of the position you're putting yourself in. That's how we avoid needing a comeback. Now, the good news is comebacks are always available, right? He didn't intend, Manasseh didn't intend to walk away from God, but he did. He ran away from God. And over time, your position is going to take you away from where you want to be unless your position is a life following Jesus, a life connected to him, right? Now this is where the story gets crazy. I hate to tell you this, we had not even got to the bad part yet. This is where the story goes completely off the rails. If you think the Bible is boring, you've never read the Bible, pick it up in verse 6. Manasseh, who has done evil, who has built altars, now he sacrificed his children in the fire of the valley of Ben-Hanon. That's a bad day. That's a bad day when you've allowed yourself to get so far gone that you're doing things like that. Now, he literally sacrificed his family, but how many of us do things, make decisions, where we sacrifice our family, maybe in different ways? He practiced divination and witchcraft, saw omens, consulted mediums and spirits. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. That's bad. That's a problem. God has hacked off. It's not just bad days, and it's not just some poor choices. Like, he has lost his mind. And listen, i got to be honest with you. I don't think 12-year-old Manasseh ever intended to end up there. I don't think he became king and said, you know what? I'm going to be the absolute worst human being possible by the end of all this thing. But he kept making choices. He kept walking away from God. He kept doing things. And if you and I put ourselves in a position of sin consistently we're going to do things we said we would never do we're going to find ourselves in places we thought we would never be so we've got to decide what our position in life is going to be right so when guys like me get up here and say hey read your bible reading your bible is not going to fix your problems but it's going to put you in a position to know how to make choices when guys like me stand up here and say hey you need to come to church Coming to church isn't going to fix your problems, but it's going to put you in a position to surrender your life to Christ. It's going to put you in a position to be a part of a community so you're not alone when the devil attacks, so that you're not alone when you're faced with these different things, right? Now, at this point of the story, we can't stand Manasseh. He's the worst human being ever. Sacrificed his kids. He's doing terrible things. But look at what it says in verse 10. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people. Wait a minute, God. He's too far gone. He's too bad. He's done too much. Why in the world would God want to speak to him? It is too late. He's too far gone. You know what that verse tells me about me and you? It's never too late. You're never too far gone. God always wants a relationship. He don't want to get you back. He wants to bring you back into a relationship with him Now, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention, right? God wanted them, but they didn't want God. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what you will do. But what I do know is it's never too late. It's never too late when you make mistakes. It's never too late when you sin. Now, the saddest part of the story is that they paid no attention. They paid no attention. It says, listen, I, God, you're speaking, but we don't We don't care. have no interest whatsoever in god they don't want to live with him so they're content to live without the presence of god in their life but can i tell you something if you live without the presence of god you live without the protection of god and that's not a good place to be and you don't want your family and friends living without the protection of god that's why we win that's why we win souls that's why we talk to people because we want them to live in the presence and the protection of God as well. Now listen, the choice they made doesn't work out well for them. Verse 11, so the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. Sin always enslaves us. Listen, he didn't get a cute little nose ring, a little nose piercing, all fashionable. He got a big old hook in his nose, right? He got a big old metal hook on the end of his stick so he could be led around. That's what Satan does to us. He puts a hook in us. Sin enslaves us. And now all of a sudden we're being drugged around. We're being led around to places we don't want to go. We're being controlled by the consequences of sin. Now, a little interesting thing about that, verse when it says he took him to Babylon, the idea there geographically, that's as far from Jerusalem as you could go. That's as far from the presence of God. He's enslaved by sin and he's as far from God as he could possibly be. And so if you find yourself in a similar position, you find yourself being led where you don't want to go, you got one of two choices to make. You can A, play the victim, Oh, it's somebody else's fault. They did this. It's not my fault I'm here. Oh, so-and-so, the government, the people, he did this, she did that. Or you can choose to respond like Manasseh chose to respond. Look at verse 12. In his distress, he sought the favor. He sought the grace of our Lord his God. He humbled himself greatly. Before the God of the ancestors He chose a different position He chose a position of humility He chose to receive something That he didn't deserve Healing and forgiveness and grace Listen, some people never do Some people never get a comeback Some people never experience the favor of God Because they refuse to humble themselves And say, God, I screwed up I need your forgiveness I need you to bring me back Into relationship with you Some of us never get there, right? Because we can do it on our own. I don't need anybody's help. I don't need anybody to know my business. I don't need to tell anybody what I've been doing. No. We need to humble ourselves greatly and seek the grace and favor of God. It's never too late, not even for Manasseh. Look at the story's conclusion in verse 13. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty, was moved by his request, and listened to his plea. So he brought him back. In my Bible, I have that underlined, circled, and highlighted. The guy that did as bad a stuff as you could ever imagine. The guy that we didn't like. The guy that we probably still can't stand, because how dare he do that? When he humbled himself before God and asked for forgiveness. God. God brought him back, brought him back to Jerusalem and his kingdom. And then then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. It started with humility, not where I want to be, God, not who I want to be, not, not the position I want to be in. God, I need your help. And God brought him back. He brought him back to Jerusalem. He brought him back to his kingdom. He brought him back to a relationship with him. He restored him. You know the story of the prodigal son, right? He didn't just get to come home and be a servant. He was restored as a son of the Father. And today it's never too late. God doesn't want us back so that He can hold it over our head, so that He can keep a, a poster up on the wall that says, Hey, you remember that season where you were an idiot and you did all those stupid things? Right? No, no, he wants to bring you back and restore you. You're his son, you're his daughter. So I started at the top. I said, listen, if you're as close with God as ever, you better celebrate it and file this away for a rainy day. But if you're not, it's never too late for a comeback. Humble yourself. Ask God to bring you back. Ask God to restore you. And the beauty is when he brings us back, we live in freedom. No more hook. No more enslavement. We don't, we're free from that addiction. We're free from that sin. Don't buy Satan's lie that says you're too far. It's too late. It's never too late. Let me pray over you. We've probably got another song. All right, pray over you, a song. Listen, if your story today is it's too late for me, would you come and talk to me, talk to Ron, talk to John, talk to somebody because I assure you, your heavenly father says no 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 no. I love you and I want to restore you. And it's never too late. Heavenly Father, we do love you so much. God, today I pray that whoever needs to come back just stops running. They stop running for you, from you and start running to you. Start running to that safe place that you create. God, give us humility to be able to admit when we're wrong, but give us confidence and that you have overcome all our sin. That when your son died on the cross, you died for all of our sins, past, present, and future. It's our job to receive your favor. It's our job to receive your grace and your love and your mercy. God, today, don't let anybody go home buying the lie that it's too late. God, let them experience your love, your grace, your favor, and then restore them as sons and daughters of the King. God, we love you and we thank you and we pray it all in your son's name, amen.